So today is the first day of the week of prayer, and we are going to talk about something exciting that's going to, to happen very soon. It's the coming of Jesus. And in connection with that, we're going to see something important uh, for our lives as we live here in expectation of the coming of the Lord. But before we, we start our study, I'm going to pray, and I invite you to join me in prayer as far as possible. So let's pray. Once again, Father, we thank you and we praise your name for uh, this opportunity and privilege that we have to be here. We also ask, Lord, for those who are not able to come here this morning. And we pray for our community around us that they may be greatly blessed, that this city of Belleville may prosper, and that we may also, Lord, be a blessing to all of them, all of those who surround us. I ask especially, Lord, at this moment, that as we open the Bible and we study your word, that we may be greatly blessed. That the words that I say, Lord, may be blended with love and may come directly from you. That I may not present, Lord, any ideas of my own, but everything that I say may be used by your Holy Spirit to help us learn something that will bring us closer and closer to Christ. Be with every worshiper here. Open up our hearts and minds. I ask you in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So these times we're living in are special times indeed. And uh, I, I don't claim to have the gift of prophecy. But based on what we see in the Bible and prophecies we find in the Bible... We recognize that the times we're living are special. And as I understand it, even last week, Brother Robinson preached about something related to that. How uh, signs around us indicate that the time of the, the end of the history of this world is coming to reality. We are just about the end of the story of this world. Now, nobody should be going out predicting dates or setting dates, or establishing uh, things, or even taking uh, anything that, that may be advertised in the media and, and hold on to that and say, okay, that's when God is going to do something or whatever, that's when Jesus is coming. No one should be predicting dates. But we've been given signs in the Bible, clear signs, that will help us know when we are getting close Closer and closer to the coming of Jesus. We may not know the day, the exact day. We may not know the date. We may not know the hour. But we know that we are near. Now throughout the Bible, as you know, the Bible encourages us to live a life of closer relationship with God. Uh, a life that is revived. A life that is reformed. And very much the church talks about it. We need to live in, in revival. We need to experience revival and reformation. Revival and reformation. And I'm not sure that we really grasp what revival and reformation are about. Maybe some of us do, but it may, may just look like another, another jargon that we say revival and reformation. But in fact, it's biblically based and there is something important, much important about it. If we turn our Bibles to 2 
Chronicles chapter 7, verses, verse 14, we read, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. So we are encouraged to pray. That's what the Bible teaches. We're encouraged to pray. Actually, I think I skipped one. Yeah, I skipped this one slide here. And before we go into Second Chronicles 7, 12 through 14, let me ask you this. What should be our focus as we anticipate the second coming of Jesus, the soon return of the Lord? What should be our main focus? Should we be praying for the Holy Spirit? Now, you don't need to answer that now. Keep those questions in your mind. Keep those questions in the back of your mind. And we're going to back, go back to them at the end of my message. But should we be focusing on praying for the Holy Spirit? Should we focus on developing our personal relationship with Jesus? Should we be focusing in help, on helping others? Or should we focus on studying Bible doctrine? What should be our focus as we anticipate the soon return of the Lord. So here's what the Bible encourages us to do. Pray. Pray. Pray every day. Pray. Talk to the Lord. Repent. Humble yourselves. Pray and seek the face of the Lord. And turn from your wicked ways. And the Lord will hear from heaven. The Lord will forgive our sins. And the Lord will heal our land. Now. Uh, Many people would turn to this passage. You'll say, okay, so here is a secret. All of the problems we have here in Canada or all the problems we see in North America will be done away with if we only pray. And that's not exactly what the, the text is saying. Uh, that was a promise for the people of Israel that extends down the centuries and comes down to us. But we can't really expect that all of the problems in our country will be solved if you only pray. Because people may resist. People may resist the, the touch, the moving of the Holy Spirit. And still, not everything will be, will be fixed. However, this is a promise in the Bible and we should claim it. We may not be able to see all problems resolved. Because at the end of the day, our citizenship is in heaven like the Bible says. But we are still encouraged to pray. But let's focus on something interesting here. At the very end of the text, it says, I will forgive their sin. I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. Now think about the land. This is what I'd like you to think. Think about the land. Usually, when we say that the land needs healing, it may be because it's a parched land, because there is a drought, because there may be pestilence, so the land needs to be healed. Are you in agreement? Particularly when it's dry, what do we need to help heal the land? We need water. We need water. We need rain. So let's read the text in context here. Let's begin in, in verse 12. Second Chronicles, beginning in verse 12. 7, beginning verse 12 through 14. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. And I just want to remind you that this happened uh, right after Solomon had made 
uh, had dedicated the temple. So he dedicated the temple, and there was smoke filling the temple, and there was a song, and there was praise, and there was worship. And after everything had been said and done, and Solomon went back to his palace, the Lord appeared to him, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send what? Pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So the Lord was speaking here in verse 12 about the, dry, the, the land being dry, uh, there being no rain, and there being pestilence. And he says that he'll forgive their sin and heal their land. So that's interesting because as you said, uh, basically we need water for the land to heal. And water in the Bible is, is emblematic of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember this, but several instances in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is represented by, by the imagery of water, of rain. And the Bible talks about Jesus calling the water a living water when he was talking to the Samaritan woman. Let's see this text here. In John chapter 4 verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. What's this living water then that Jesus was, was talking to the woman about? Well, let's see another text in the book of John, chapter 7, verses 37 through uh, 39. Jesus is here at the feast of the... Uh, Feast of the Tabernacles. And at the end of the feast, Jesus stands up. And here is what he says. If any man thirst, let him come up to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The same living water here. Out of his heart, those who believe in Jesus, as the scripture said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. But this, he spoke concerning what? The Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. So Jesus was comparing the living water, was talking, making reference to the living water. He was actually talking about the Holy Spirit. So this is an important thing. That the Holy Spirit is uh, represented in the Bible by water, by rain. And when Joshua and the Israelites crossed the Jordan and they came into the land of Canaan, they came into a wall, a well-watered, well-favored land. You remember when the people of Israel were in Egypt? They had the they had the best place actually uh, all across the land of Egypt. 
Pharaoh liked Joseph so much that when his family came, Pharaoh told Joseph, "All oh, tell your family to pick the best place they can find. And they went to the land of Goshen or Goshen. And so, but even though it was a blessed parcel of land, they still had to water it. You see here in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 10 and 11, the Lord is saying, for the land, now talking to Joshua, they are just about to go into the promised land. And the Lord says, for the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven. So they wouldn't have to water the land because there was much rain coming and the, the land was well watered. Now, in that area of the planet, there were two seasons of the year where rain would fall more abundantly. And those two seasons were uh, the latter part of the October and early November, which uh, was the, the time of the early rain, as they would call it, and then uh, the second downpour power, pour would come in the spring in the latter part of March and the early part of April. And that was called the latter rain. So they would call the early rain, the, that rain falling in October, November, and the latter rain, the rain falling in March and April. I'm not saying that there wasn't rain uh, throughout the year at other times. Yes, there was. But those two times, the rain would be more abundant, would fall abundantly. And so those two periods of great rain, of more abundant rain, were periods that symbolized great visitations of the Holy Spirit. And so, the prophet Joel, in his book, chapter 2, verse 23 and verse 28, he, he makes a prediction, a very interesting prediction here. Joel says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. So the former rain is another term for the early rain, that rain that fell in October, November. So Joel is saying, The Lord has given you faithfully the former rain, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And now he says in verse 28, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream, dream, dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. So you see here the connection? I hope you do. Joel is talking about the early and the latter rain. And then he says, likewise, the Lord, will, the Lord will pour down his Holy Spirit. And he will pour his Spirit on all flesh. And there will be prophecy, there will be dreams, there will be visions. As the Lord pours the Holy Spirit a second time. So now let's go back here to the book of Acts. Chapter 2. You remember, I, I'm not sure I have the text here, I don't. But in Acts chapter 2, Peter was preaching after the Holy Spirit came down 
after the Holy Spirit was poured down on the day of Pentecost. And let me ask you if you remember, before, right before the day of Pentecost, where were the disciples? What were they doing? After Jesus died, Jesus resurrected, rose again, and he went back to heaven. What were the disciples doing between then and the day of Pentecost? They were praying, but uh, what kind of feeling were they have? The, the main feeling they had? They, yes, they were afraid. They were totally afraid. They were afraid that of the Jews that they would be, you know, condemned and would lose their lives. So they were afraid. Now, how, how can you imagine Peter, afraid as he was with all the other disciples, in that locked upper room praying? And then the next day, Peter is out there preaching and speaking powerfully. And as a result of his preaching, 3,000 men were baptized. What made the difference was the Holy Spirit. Right? What made the difference was the gift of the Holy Spirit that was poured out as the early rain. So according to the prophecy of Joel, the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost as the early rain. But Joel says in verse 23 that the Lord will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain, which we understand was on the day of Pentecost, but also the latter rain will come as well. So the promise is there that as much as the disciples were made courageous and, and bold and left all their uh, cowardice behind and boldly went out and preached, the promise is also extended to us that the Holy Spirit will once again be granted by the Father, will be given and there will be dreams and visions and there will be prophecy and the word will be the work will be finished now under the power of the holy spirit the words of peter the words of the other apostles became powerful instruments to convict the hearts of men of their wickedness in crucifying jesus and this was the early reign the former reign and now we are living in expectation of the latter rain. Because if there was an early rain, there must be a latter rain. Do we believe that? Oh, I, I don't think we're too sure of that. <laughs> yeah, doesn't look like. But I think that if the Bible is saying that there was early and latter rain, and if there has been a former rain, there must be a, a latter rain. Right? Well, so what is preventing the church? What is preventing the church from receiving the latter rain, from receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in, uh, in as powerful a way as the disciples received on the day of Pentecost? What is preventing the church from receiving that gift? That's one thing. We are not in one accord with each other. As the disciples were. They may have been driven by fear. To begin with. Right? And so they locked themselves up in that room. By fear of their own lives. But yet. They were in one accord. And they studied scripture. And they prayed. 
and they humble themselves. You know, do you think that Peter and John and James and the other disciples, do you think that they knew Second Chronicles 7.14? Oh, they sure did. And they knew that if my people will pray and humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven. They knew that. And uh, I'm imagining here, I'm speculating maybe, but I'm sure they went through that text as they were praying and studying the Bible and many others and preparing. So, turn to Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. Look at what the prophet is saying here. Ask the Lord for rain and the time of the leathering. So here's the question. And you know many things we preach. And they may, may end up sounding as rhetorical questions. But no. Uh, every time I preach here. I, I challenge you to take things seriously. And take God on his word. So if the Bible is saying. Ask the Lord for rain. And the time of the latter rain. You see this text is specific. It's not talking about. If you're in a drought and you need land, ask the Lord for rain and the Lord will give you rain. Yeah, you can ask the Lord for rain when there is drought. And I'm sure that the Lord will hear. But it's talking specifically about the latter rain. So it's pointing to a, a second great manifestation of the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what we need to do then, what's the Bible telling us to do? To ask the Lord. To ask the Lord. Now, if we believe that, then we'll ask. But remember that if you ask, the Lord may give you. And if the Lord gives you, then you'll have no excuse. You have to go forward. You have to, to preach. You have to share God's love. You have to talk to others. You have to live the gospel out in your life. And so many people look at this and think, yes, we do want the Lord to come. But maybe we're not ready. We're not ready yet to ask the Lord to change our lives. We're not ready yet to ask the Lord to grant us the Holy Spirit. Because then we'll have greater responsibility. And yes, that's, that's the whole thing. So today I encourage you to think about it. Because if we want to make a difference in this community, right? If we want to make a difference in our neighborhood, if we want to make a difference in this country, then we need to ask the Lord for rain so that the Lord can give us rain. But if we are fine with this, if we are, if we are good with living and seeing people dying of cancer at the age of three, if we are fine with going ahead and seeing people suffering and seeing families being destroyed, seeing families being torn apart, if we're fine with going ahead and seeing uh, terrorism in the world, if we're fine with going ahead and seeing people in our families dying and suffering because of disease, if we're fine with seeing families, uh, children being rebelled against their parents, if we're fine with seeing war around the world, if we're fine with seeing pestilence, if we're fine with that, then don't do anything. And I, and I mean it. I'm serious. Don't do anything. The Lord, won't, the Lord will respect you. The Lord will honor your not willingness, your unwillingness. But if you want to see the Lord coming, 
then our attitude must be different. Our attitude must be different. Many times we as church members repeat a sentence and we say, we want to finish the work. We want to finish the work and see Jesus come. And I'm sorry to say, but I think that's become much more of a jargon than anything else. I'm not sure we really mean it. Because if we do, our attitude will be, must be different. The Holy Spirit will enable shy people, timid people to go out and speak. The Holy Spirit will empower people to share with others that which God has done in our lives. Just a couple weeks ago, or three weeks ago, we had a, a communion service here in the church. And uh, during the time of communion, we had testimonies. And the testimonies were powerful. Sorry, the testimonies were powerful. And I went back home almost, you know, floating with all those beautiful testimonies. So you have a story to tell. You do. The Lord has done something in your life. But maybe you find yourself too shy to share that with others. Maybe you don't have the words. Maybe you don't know what to do. Maybe you're not sure whether you should speak or keep quiet and just let others see your witness, your testimony. Whichever way, the Holy Spirit can empower you. But we need to? Well, I'm not sure you're following me. We need to? Oh, we need to ask. Okay, maybe you're giving it thought. But we need to ask. So the Holy Spirit can operate. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to lead you here into another aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit. So it is true that the Holy Spirit will enable people to preach. The Holy Spirit will give dreams and visions. The Holy Spirit will, will give prophecy to people, right? Uh, do you believe that the gift of prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit? Yes. yes. Do you believe that the gift of prophecy is still uh, the, the Holy Spirit, I should say. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is still willing to grant the gift of prophecy? Yes or no? Yes. So do you believe that people may still be raised as God's prophets in our time and age? Some say yes, some are not so sure. But if the Bible is saying that the Lord has given the early rain and He is willing to give the latter rain, and if we believe that the latter rain is a, a powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit, I have no way but I have to admit and accept and believe that the gift of prophecy will still be manifested. And is being manifested actually. Do you believe that God can still give dreams and, dreams and visions? That's what the Bible is saying. So we do believe that. Now, there is something else. There is something more to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about enabling you to go out and preach. To go out and speak. It's not just about giving you dreams or visions. It's not just about giving you prophecy. And you know, people 
are careful with that because they say, well, but then anyone may, may rise and say, oh, I have a prophecy, I have a word from the Lord to you. Well, if the Lord gives you a word, that's fine. But remember that every word must be tested against what? Against everything else that the Lord has already revealed. So if someone uh, stands up saying that they have a prophecy, it uh, will give ear to it, but we need to test it against what the Lord has already revealed. Now John 7, 38, Jesus said that the, the, uh, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So let's think about it for, for an instant here. There is more to the work of the Holy Spirit than just enable, enabling you to preach. Jesus said that those who believe in him, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So think of the, the biology. I'm not, a, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not a nurse, and I'm not a chemistry professor. I'm not a chemistry teacher. But from understanding my own body, I understand that my, my heart never gushes liquid or fluid or blood or water out of my body. Does it? If my heart actually pumps fluid out of my body, there is something wrong. I should see a doctor uh, urgently. But my heart, it pumps blood into my own system, into my own body. So that's the figure of speech that Jesus is using here. He's not saying that out of your body there will there'll be a river of water gushing out. But he's saying that out of the heart of those who accept him will flow rivers of living water. Day by day as you accept the Lord and as you get closer and closer in your relationship with him. This living water will be feeding your system. This living water will be filling your, your life with will be filling you with life. It's a living water. So there is a work of transformation that happens inside of you as the Holy Spirit operates. There is a work of transformation. And as you receive Christ, this transformation is being manifest in your life. Now, the Bible is clear when it says that every believer receives a gift from God. Turn your Bibles, or I think I have the text here, to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 and verse 31. So the Apostle Paul says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. For what? Okay, so if you thought that you would be able to come here this morning listen to the sermon and go back home and think, well, that was not for me. Oh, I, I hate to disappoint you, but the Lord is saying here that the gift of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, is given to each one. So I don't know, and maybe you don't even know what gift the Lord is giving you, but if you have accepted Christ, if you have given your life to Him, if you have surrendered to Him, there is a gift, at least one gift, that the Lord has given you. And this gift is given for what? For? For the profit, for the benefit of how many? 
of all. So it's given for the benefit of all. And yet, that's verse 31, and yet, Paul says, I show you a more what? Excellent way. Which excellent way is that? Which more excellent way is that? Well, Paul is saying, you know, that the gifts are given for the benefit of all, and one has the gift of prophecy, the other has the gift of, uh, uh, of sympathy, the other has the gift of, of uh, preaching, the other is a teacher, the other is a, is a healer. But all these gifts are given for the benefit of all. But yet, there is something that I need to show you. There is something I have to tell you. I need to show you a more excellent way. Which excellent way is that? Then comes 1 Corinthians 13. Where Paul is talking about what? Love. So every gift that we receive is... is Granted by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, for the benefit of all. And they should be manifest in a con context of love. Does that make sense? Yes? Okay, so let's see now Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, uh, if you want to write it down. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Those are three sister passages that deal with the gifts of the Spirit. And, uh, and Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But those three chapters, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4, talk about the gift of the Spirit. Now Paul here in Romans 12, he's saying, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself, what more? Highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So every gift that you have received, you have been given that gift for the benefit of all. And it should be manifested in a context of love. Not that you or anyone might think, because I have this gift, I, I am more or better than anyone else. Let us not think highly of ourselves than we ought to, th to think. Christ in Mark chapter 13, 33, he said some things in that uh, regard. He said, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. So you must watch, you must pray, you must not think that we have, you have it all together, because we don't really know when the time is. So, I'd like to, in closing, bring something to your attention. As I have done for the past uh, few Sabbaths, I've been uh, preaching here. The, the messages in the Bible, <clears throat> the truth that we find in the Bible, is here to help, us, to help us know God more, and to get closer to Him, and to be able to be prepared for when Jesus comes. But it has to make a difference in our lives. If we think that uh, we want to make a difference in this community here, right? Uh, I'd like to, to offer a challenge here for the church today. And let us think about it. And let's uh, make that a, a, a topic of our conversation as we go forward. As we look into next year and even for the remainder of this year. 
Let's keep that in our minds and think about it as a, as a, a thought for our conversations. And let's pray about it. If we really want to make a difference here in this community, I think we need to, to be more effective in our relationship with them. Because uh, it's not only about preaching. And we do have a beautiful message to present. The Lord has entrusted us with so much uh, truth from the Bible that we do have this responsibility. But people are not going to connect with us if we do not befriend them. People are not going to listen to us if we don't connect with them. You know, I think the days we live in to, uh, now are, are such a time where people, people are suspicious of other people's opinions. Uh, that's where they start. That to begin with, they're suspicious, right? So uh, you may have great skills, and uh, we may have preaching skills, and we may go out and say, okay, now I'm going to preach right there downtown in Belleville. I'm going to set up a microphone and a speaker, and I'm going to be preaching there all day. Uh, I'm sure that the Lord can use any tool. The Lord can use anyone. But I am not sure that would be the most effective way, because people today are not too much convinced by argument than they are by, by friendship, by trust. So there must be an element of trust. If they don't trust you, they won't accept you even if you prove it. They won't accept what you have to say, even if it's scientifically and prophetically sound. They won't accept. So here is my challenge to our church, that we, we consider getting more involved with our community, that we consider being friends with our community, that we consider making more friends with those who are around us here. And at the basis of it, when Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and Paul is talking about the gifts being given for the benefit of all, what he's saying is, if we don't have this relational aspect involved, we can't really hold it together. We won't be able to hold it together. Just uh, last quarter, the third quarter, our quarterly, our Sabbath school lesson, dealt with this work of the church in the community and the role of the church in the community. So I'd like to challenge you to think more about that. To pray that the Lord will, will give us the latter rain. And that will, will give us another level of responsibility that now we'll be empowered to go out but as we go out we make friends with people now when you get to heaven would you like to have many friends i will i want to i'm not the more extrovert person much on the on the contrary but i want to have many friends and i enjoy having friends and i enjoy listening to people's stories i know i enjoy being around people I may not say much, but I like to hear. I'm a good listener. And I enjoy being around. And I want to be around people I know in heaven. And I want to be around people I have been able to, to talk about Jesus to here on, on this earth. So this is my challenge for you. As students of, of the Bible, as students of Daniel and Revelation, there is an exciting future waiting for us. 
And the Holy Spirit is willing to enable us to finish this work. I, I remember someone was mentioning to, to me the other day uh, something uh, special they're doing. I won't say much about that. But I know of people who take the, the phone book, right? And will pick names, maybe according to the, uh, to the neighborhood, based on the neighborhood they live. And they'll pick names and they will intently reach out to those people and befriend them. And I know people who visit neighbors and, uh, and befriend them. And what if we became the best neighbor where we live? Would people be willing to listen to you? I think so. So let's think about that as we prepare for the coming of Jesus. But we must be willing. We must be willing. Or else there is nothing that the Lord can do. So here are four questions again. What should we be doing? What should be our focus? Not what we should be doing because we should be doing many things. But what should be our focus as we anticipate the soon return of Jesus? Should we be praying for the Holy Spirit? Should that be our focus? Now you can answer if you want. We should. Or should we be developing our personal relationship with Jesus? Or should we be helping others? Or should we be studying Bible doctrine? Oh, you said yes to all four of them. Okay. So we should be doing that. Yes. So my appeal to you today is that we humbly submit to the Lord. If my people will pray, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now, like I said, if we want to see the Lord come, I know that the Lord, the Bible says the Lord has one day that he has appointed, right, to judge the world. The Bible says that. And I don't want to be here to, attempting to control God. As if now I'm the one who is controlling the timeline of this world. No. But there is clearly something that I must do. And I need to connect with the Lord. And I need to have the Holy Spirit working in my life. I need to be empowered. And I need to witness of this to others. And if that's your desire, I'd like to appeal to you that this week, this week, we make this uh, this prayer, the prayer that the Holy Spirit be given, that the Holy Spirit be poured down powerfully upon myself and upon the church, we make it our priority. Because if not, this is going to be one more week of prayer where we said it was good, we had a good time, we prayed together, but then we go back and nothing or much does not change. It shouldn't say nothing, but much does not change. So if that's your desire, I'd like to invite you to come to the front. You know, some people are shy, some people are timid. But remember that the Lord opened up His arms right there on the cross. He didn't have any, any shame. He, he was put to shame, but He was not thinking, Oh, I'm not going to do this. This is too embarrassing. This is too humiliating. And he did, and he went all the way down. 
And if that's your desire, please come to the front. And I want to pray for you. I want to offer a prayer for you and for me and for all of us. That we rededicate our lives. And that we pray for the Holy Spirit. We must pray. We must ask the Lord to change our lives. We must ask the Lord to manifest His power. And that's the only way things are going to change. If that's your desire, you come to the front. Remember that as you come to the front, as you come to the front, you are becoming responsible for your own decision. Right? I'm not forcing anyone here, am I? I hope not. I hope I'm not. I'm just appealing to you. But if you come to the front, then you become responsible for your own decision. And it's your decision between you and God. And now, by coming to the front and making this decision, you are telling the Lord, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, go ahead and do it. Whatever gift you want to give me, give me, and I will be a good steward of that gift. So I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, you can see, Lord, that we are humbling ourselves. We want, Lord, to experience a powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, we are thankful for all that we have experienced so far. We are thankful for the miracles we have seen in our lives. We are so thankful, Lord, for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are thankful, Lord, that somehow, at some point in our lives, this message came to us. And you have touched our hearts and we have responded. And I praise you for that. Father, we are thankful for all of this experience we have had so far. But Father, these people have come now to the front. And I know that your angels are up there singing in heaven and taking notes of each one's names here. Because this is a solemn decision that we are making. That we are recommitting our lives to you. We are rededicating ourselves to you. And Father, my prayer, my humble prayer is that you may honor the decision every person has made here. There is nothing in me, Lord, that can bless them. There is nothing in ourselves, Lord, that can help us be faithful to our decisions, to anything that we vow. It's only by you, it's only through you, it's only because of you. So, Lord, I, I place them in your hands. And I ask that you may powerfully help each and every one of these people who came to the front. That whatever desire they have in their hearts to serve you. That you may, Lord, make clear to them what their gift is. That you may be clear to them what your will is. That they may grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ and them may become just like one. That when people look at them, they may see Christ. Oh, Father, that when our neighbors... When the cashier at the grocery store, when the person at the reception desk at a clinic, whatever place we go to in our places of amusement, whatever situation, people may look at us and see Christ revealed. That's my prayer. May, we bless this, may you bless this church, Lord. May we become a powerful influence here in this city. 
May people come to us looking for help, looking for comfort, looking for relief. May Jesus come soon. And I'm sure, Lord, that as you empower this group of people here, your work will be done here in this community. And more people will be ready and prepared to see Jesus come soon. These blessings I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.